Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. You know, in the natural, to win the war, you got to win the battles, right? The battles win the war. But in the kingdom, the war is over. The war has already been won at the cross through Jesus. And now we win battles because the war has been won. Are you with me? So we are standing, we are living, we are functioning from a place of victory. But we still face battles. And so we're going to be talking about today about throwing down. Have you all have ever thrown down before? Come on, let's just be real. I know it might have been grade school, but you threw down and it was tough. Uh, I, I know most of the guys have girls. Y'all, y'all are a little bit nicer in that department. But I want to talk today about tearing down walls and throwing out enemies. Tearing down walls and throwing out enemies. And so our story today takes place right after Moses. We know Moses, right? Moses, the Ten Commandment guy. And Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, led them into the desert. They ended up spending way too much time in the desert, 40 years. They weren't destined to spend that much time there, but they did spend that much time there because they were full of complainers and they couldn't focus on the Lord. And it kind of delayed their journey to what was called the promised land. So Moses was the leader. He was the guy. The promise was given to him, but they fell short on their end. God didn't fall short on his end. Come on. But the people fell short on their end. So there was this promise awaiting them. And one of Moses's spiritual sons is named Joshua. And Joshua ends up being the guy who takes the baton from Moses and leads the children into Israel. And our story picks up in the book of Joshua chapter one. Great place for the story of Joshua to start in the book of Joshua. So I remember when I was a kid, this is kind of funny. Some of y'all are going to think this is blasphemous. Should I not tell this? So I got a Bible. Someone gave me a Bible and I thought, because my name is not Joshua. I know you think you're clever by calling me that. My name is just Josh, just plain Josh. It just ends at the H. It doesn't have the UA. I know people like wink and they're like, Joshua. I don't know. It's not my name. Thanks. Appreciate that. And so what I did is I got the Bible and I scribbled out everywhere in the Bible is all the UAs after Joshua. Just went in there and scribbled it. And I think some some person told me I was being sacrilegious or something and then I repented and and, uh, hoping to still get into heaven one day. So Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun. Sad, right? Sad story. Son of Nun. Preacher joke. Joshua. He, he ain't got nobody. Joshua, son of Nun. Thank, thanks, Caleb. I appreciate that. It's kind of a dad joke, preacher joke, right? Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide. Moses, my servant, is dead. All right. Thanks, God. I know that. Now then you, everybody say, now then you, now then you and all these people get ready. Say, get ready, get ready to cross the Jordan river into the land. I am going to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place. Everybody say every place where your foot, where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now this sounds a lot like man's original mandate, right? When God created man, set him in the garden, he said, go and take dominion, rule on the earth of the kingdom, every place, you know, I'm spreading the kingdom of God. And so this is God's original mandate. His mandate is today still that God is calling us to take back land, right? To take dominion, to take, um, some of us are just content to take up space, but God, God has called us to take up dominion, God's dominion, not ours, come on, but God's dominion on the earth. So we see this story, Joshua 
Moses dies. Sad. We're bummed about that. Moses dies. But how many know that the promise of God didn't die? The promise of God was still ineffective. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But the first thing that they did is they cross what is called the Jordan River. Now, we talked about the Jordan River a couple weeks ago. We talked about that we have a Jordan experience in our life. When we come to Jesus, Jordan, Jordan is always the place of crossing over from death to life. And what we talked about is how when we come to the Jordan River, we die in the Jordan River and we cross into a new life. We cross into the old is gone, the new has come, we died, and we have a new life in Christ. So the, the Jordan speaks of that. And I would encourage you, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, go back and listen to that. And then last week, we talked about courage. Now, right after God tells this to Joshua, he tells him four times. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a, a husband, right? You got to tell him four times. So God tells him four times. He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Then he says it again. Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Four times God has to tell him. Very similar to what we talked about last week. We talked about Gideon and we talked about having courage. So it's important that we cross over, right? Tracking with our series. And then we are also living in courage, walking out the plans and destinies that God has called us to. Now, a lot of times we have the courage Come on. A lot of times we have this new life that we're living. But how many know that God has still called us to possess something? And many times what what God has promised us is in the possession of somebody else. Now, I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about the enemy. And so God had promised the children of Israel land. He had promised them this land, which we call Israel today. And there was this huge city there called Jericho. Now, Jericho was like, you know, it was kind of like a metropolitan area of the day. It was like full of money. It was, they, they had a lot of finances. They had a lot of money. It was well-led. They had good armies, all this kind of stuff. And, and so God says, the first city I'm going to give you is Jericho. I mean, couldn't he have started something like one of the smaller towns? No, God said, we're going to go, we're going to go big or we're going to go back home to Egypt or to the desert. God said, we're going to go in. We're going to take the biggest city. Let me show you what I can do. And so he says this in Joshua chapter six. Now I'll track with me. I'm going to read a lot today. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. Now it's interesting because of the Israelites. Remember that no one went in and no one came out. How I many of you know that's not good? For the money, right? For the economy of that city, that's not good if nothing's coming in and going out, right? Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven, everybody say seven. Seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Come on, shout. Good, good, good. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in it. So Joshua's like, man, that's awesome. That's not the battle plan I would pick, but God, that's a pretty good battle plan. But what's interesting is that Joshua obeys the Lord. Many times God gives us this thing. He's like, this is what I want you to do. This is what you're supposed to do. We're like, yeah, yeah. And we don't do it. That's great, God. It's so good. I got a word. And then we don't do anything with it. So Joshua, son of Nun, different than us, called the priest and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody say presence. Now understand that anytime the Old Testament speaks of the Ark of the Covenant, it is speaking of the presence of God. Do you understand this? Okay, so the presence of God, we're not going to 
teach on the ark today, but the presence of God, anytime we see that, the ark of the covenant, think the presence of God. Now we are, in a real sense, the temple of the Holy Spirit, which the Ark of the Covenant dwells in. So we carry now the presence of God. Y'all all right? So he said, uh, the covenant, so take up the Ark. Everybody say presence. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Covenant. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. Interesting to note, sometimes the Ark of the Covenant is called the Ark of the Presence. Did you know that? Okay, well, now you do. Verse 9. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests. Is that where we're at, verse 9? Okay. Marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded his people... Don't give a war cry. Don't raise your voice. Don't say a word until the day. Everybody say the day. The day I tell you to shout, then shout. Good. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and the people returned to camp and spent the night there. So they would every day they would circle the city one time, blowing trumpets, blah, 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 quiet, completely quiet, then go back to camp. Verse 12. So Joshua got up the, early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the covenant, ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing their trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. It's important trumpets kept sounding the music kept playing so on the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp they did this for six days Jeez, so glad i went through all that military basic training now we're marching around cities blowing horns what is up i got a sword right here and we're blowing horns has the fuller given a city and he's like hold up i want you to get this right on the seventh day they got up at daybreak Y'all didn't get up at daybreak. You're second service people. That's awesome. I'm right there with you. That was my, yeah. And marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. Seven? The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout! For the Lord has given you the city. And when the, verse 20, and when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in and they took the city. Every man charged in and they took what was promised. How many know that? Yeah. How many know that the wall had to come down in order for them to get what God had promised them? And many times we have this thing keeping us out of what God's promised. We have walls. And isn't it interesting? That it says that they had sealed up these walls because of Israel. See, they had got a rumor also of the promise of God. They had an idea that they were living on somebody else's land. So they shut it down. We don't want you here. Please go away. Now, now it's interesting. I mean, the children of Israel, there's, there's like a million of them. But these guys are like, they're the strongest economical force probably on the planet. Surely they had an army that could defend. Now, something about these walls that collapse is they weren't like the cinder block fence around a house. In fact, these walls were huge. Um, they were about six feet thick. There, there are two walls, actually. There's an outer wall, which is about six feet th- thick and about 20 feet high. And then there's an inner wall that's closer to the city that's about 12 to 15 feet 
thick and about 30 foot high. Carmen used to sing a song. If you know who Carmen is, you're old school. Uh, if, if you, Carmen used to sing a song and he said, he, he said that they would race, uh, chariots around the city, you know, and so they would race. I, I don't know. I don't know if that really happened, but I do know that these walls were huge and they were thick and it was a force to be reckoned with. How many of you know that there is a problem many times keeping you from your promise? Sometimes there's something that needs to come down so you can get what already belongs to you. Right? You're not taking something that belongs to somebody else. It belongs to you. You're the beloved of God. God has promises and declarations and things that he wants to do in your life. But there is something that needs to come down. You need some breakthrough. So before they had breakthrough, they had some other things. They didn't have the city yet. Right? They didn't have the land yet. But they had some predecessors. So we're going to talk about breakthrough predecessors today. Before they possess the city, they possess these things. Y'all all right? The first thing they possessed was a promise. They possessed a promise. Now it'd be easy to think, no man, Moses died. God gave the promise to Moses. No, it starts off, it says, Moses is dead, now then you. See, promise doesn't die with a person. And God's promises and God's plans do not have an expiration date. In fact, I would encourage you to go back to some of your ancestors that loved Jesus and found out what God promised them. And if they didn't get what God had promised them, then you start believing God for what God promised them. Come on. I believe in the promises of God. And they do not expire. And they do not end just because somebody dies. They go on forever and ever and ever. You know, many people uh, have kind of taught this idea that once the scripture was written, that miracles went out, that there's no more healing, there's no more prosperity, there's, God doesn't take care of you anymore. It's just, we got a Bible now, so we don't need health. False. Why? Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His promises endure the ages. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And in Christ and amen. And through Christ and amen. So God's promises are yes. Yeah. And yes. Amen. God's promises are not just yes. They're yes and yes. See, like, does God want to heal me? Yes. What if it's not God's will? It is God's will on earth as it is in heaven. On heaven, there's no sickness. How many people did Jesus pray for and they didn't get healed? None. They all got healed. So go after your healing. How many times were the righteous forsaken financially? None. How many depressed people did people, Jesus run into and they, and they were still depressed? None. God's promises don't expire. There is a life available to you. God is a good father and he takes good care of you. And he said, Jesus, so you could walk in the fullness of the gospel. See, the children of Israel had a word. They didn't just have a guy, Moses, leading them. They had a word. They had a word from the Lord. This is yours. Beloved, it is so important that you familiarize yourself with the word. What does God say about you? What does God say about your identity? You want freedom? Freedom's promised. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You shouldn't have to be addicted. It's a promise that you would experience freedom. What do you know about the word? Uh, not that much. Beloved, learn the word of God. Read the word of God. I always like to say, get into the word until the word gets into you. You memorize that word. 
well, I don't really know. Did God promise? I, have you read the word? They had a word. They had confidence because they had a word. They had the promise of God. So you familiarize yourself with the word. Familiarize yourself with the ways of God. Familiarize yourself with the prophetic. What does that mean? That means that God still speaks today. Familiarize yourself with the word of God. What is God saying? I don't know if God said it or the devil said it or... Well, how familiar are you with the Word? The Word will train you on how to hear from God. And get that Word and you write it down and you read it and you memorize it. So I ask you, you want breakthrough in your life? Yeah, man, I I want breakthrough. I'm so tired of dealing with depression. I'm so tired of dealing with addiction. You want breakthrough in your life? When was the last time you were in the Word? There's life in the Word. Joyce Meyer, right? Life in the Word, right? Every time, right? learn anything from Joyce right life in the word there is life in the word you wouldn't go a day without eating unless you're fasting and you can't nourish your spirit unless you're eating and feasting on the word of God listen it is what sustains you beloved it is what gives you life and you will be malnourished you will be malnourished if you do not feast on what God is saying his word is the bread of life and it's not, listen, it's not just the written word either. It's what has God spoken to your heart. And if you don't know how to hear God, then get around somebody that does. Until you can learn. And quit spending time with people that only listen to the devil. Promise. So they didn't have the city yet, but they had a promise. The second thing that they possessed is perspective. They possessed a different perspective. And the perspective is this, the battle is the Lord's. It's his battle. See, Joshua, before this happens, we know that God came to him and revealed himself to him. Joshua has an encounter with Jesus. Whoa, Jesus, yeah. Before Jesus, before the incarnation, Jesus shows up to Joshua. Look at this. Joshua chapter 5. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Uh oh. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you with us or with our enemies? Who are you fighting for? So he sees this warrior, man with a sword. Neither, he replied. Oh. Oh snap. What's, what's, what's about to go down? What, what is fixing to happen? He said, But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, Who are you? neither one. I'm in charge of the battle. Other words, I'm taking command. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. I have now come. Then Joshua fell face to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your shoes for the place you're standing is holy. So Joshua did that. Very smart. What we call this is a Christophany, and that was basically a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus before the incarnation, before Jesus took up on flesh and humanity and was born of virgin birth. Before that, how many know that Jesus is God? Jesus always existed. Right, 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 right. And so Jesus always existed. So Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to show up 
and he shows up with a sword. Isn't that interesting? We have this appearance of Jesus with the sword. You know, he wasn't a little, you know, kosher Jesus that you like to, you know, a little painting thing. He was like a warrior. And I'm here to lead you into battle. I'm here to give you what belongs to you. So really, this story isn't, and this is the perspective they had. This story isn't Joshua in the battle of Jericho. That's what people call it. Joshua. Probably a little song about it, I'm sure. I could probably make one up and write it and, you know, sell some kids tracks or something. A little cheesy cartoon. They'll sell it real good. Or something. Or get famous on YouTube. That'd be cool, too. I don't know. I don't know. No. So, listen. He was here to say this. Listen. I win. All I do is win. <laughs> I win, win, win. That's Jesus. He's like, shows up with a sword. Listen. And he's saying, I'm the commander. I am in charge here. Beloved, listen, when Jesus is your king, your battles are his battles. They're your battles. They're not your battles. They're his battles. Because you belong to him. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Remember you died? Remember that? So you died. So the things that come against you are coming against him. And then he says, come be a part of my army. It's not Joshua's army. It's Jesus' army. You're part of the army of Jesus. He came to recruit you. Divine partnership. To throw down the walls of the enemy. So, they didn't have the city, but they had a promise. And they had this perspective that it's his battle. Number three, they had a presence in the process. Can you imagine every day the grind preparation they went through for this moment their big moment it's my moment walk around don't say a word don't let out a war cry just fall around play horns play instruments you mighty warrior whatever that sounded like probably didn't sound awesome just so you know you know ever heard any of those old horns they're not they sound awesome they're walking around i i think one of those guys is probably like walking around these I thought by now they'd fall. Come on. Just walking around. Oh, man. It won't be today, Joshua. Like, what's up, man? Are you sure about this? Are you sure about this battle? Go home now. Come back tomorrow. Just the grind, the same thing. But see, the difference with their grind is they had God at the center. See, we like to think of these, these guys were, they were, they were in front and behind the Ark of the Presence, the Ark of the Covenant. Listen, they were obedient. If this would have, man, six days, that's a long time. For us it is. But if they would have, if God would have said, do it for 40 years, they would have done it for 40 years. Why? Because their cadence and their rhythm was obedience. Because God was at the center. They were doing it the way he prescribed it to be done. Man, I want the promises of God. Do it his way. It's his battle, remember? So do it his way. I ask you today, where does God fit in the middle of your grind? Where does he fit in your routine? Is he at the center? Or do you just conveniently every once in a while when you need him, ask him to show up and do something? And you wonder why your routine is mundane. And you wonder why it's up and down. And you wonder why no walls ever fall when you show up. 
We all want to be fruitful, but we can only be fruitful if we're faithful. If we're faithful. The psalmist said it this way. He said that those to the faithful, he reveals himself as faithful. So God's faithfulness doesn't change. But whenever we choose to be faithful, he unveils how faithful he is. He goes, see, this is how faithful. Now that you've been faithful, can't you see now? It's like, you know the love of God by loving others. Like then you're like, oh, God loves me. Yeah, faithfulness. We're talking about faithfulness. What's faithfulness? Faithfulness is as long as it takes. Faithfulness knows no end. How long am I going to have to read my Bible and pray to get this breakthrough? I think you've missed the point. You're going to read your Bible and pray until you die. Every day you're going to do it. When it's hard, when it's fun, when you can smile about it or when you have to grind it out, when you're reading like numbers and you're like, oh gosh. Right? Listen, you need to be developing things in your life right now that you're going to be doing in 20, 30, 50, 60 years. The things that you do right now will influence those days. You want to be fruitful then? Be faithful now. That's anything. Financially, that's physically. If you want to be healthy in 50 years, you might not need to be going to Whataburger every day. I know you need to go experience the glory, but you can't go every day. You know, you don't, you don't get skinny by going to the gym once. You don't get strong that way. You don't get skinny by eating a salad. That would be so awesome, right? Wouldn't it be so cool? Because like all week I would eat however I want. And then on Saturday I'd be like, I'm going to have a salad. And then I ate that and the next morning I show up and I'm trim and like I look better. And you know, everybody's like, hey, he's handsome. You look like you've lost weight since Monday. I did because I had a salad and I went to the gym. But it don't don't work that way. you got to have a pattern. There's got to be a cadence. There's got to be a rhythm. There's got to be a method to your madness. And listen, when we do this, when we develop these patterns and we put Jesus at the center of our life and we develop our patterns around him and our obedience, then what we begin to see is the walls begin to fall. See, some of you are like, man, I'm just believing God for financial breakthrough. Are you a tither? Well, yeah, I tried that. Well, that's a problem. You tried it. Are you a... Uh, are you, are you, or you say you are a tither and you set a budget, but it's not working out. I set a budget. Did you keep a budget? No. You're not going to see God's faithfulness. You've got to do it God's way by being a good steward. Come on. Uh, some of you are having marriage difficulties. You need breakthrough in your marriage. Man, I don't know. We, we just fought all the time. Just kind of along. I'm like, welcome to marriage. It's hard. It's two people trying to die to one another and you don't go to marriage for fulfillment right you go to marriage to bring something by the way and so you know, i just look there and you don't make me happy and miserable and like, so how many books have you read on marriage we're at this thing of premarital counseling you spent like you spent like ten thousand dollars on your wedding and you won't spend fifteen dollars on a book to stay married you won't pray together for 15 seconds well we tried that that's the problem you tried it went to went to a counselor how long did you go we went once didn't help you didn't create a pattern you got to create some patterns if you want to see a promise if you don't stick to the process you never see the promise 
you got to stick to the process. And the problem is, is we're living in an age where everybody wants it quick and we want it easy. We want it tomorrow or next week. And God's saying, will you serve me forever? Will you dig into me forever? Forever. If you want, if you want eternal fruit, then you got to have eternal goals. What are you doing? You get healthy, not by one meal, not by one trip to the gym. It would be awesome, but it just don't work. Number four. Y'all all right? Number one, they had a promise. They had a perspective. They had presence in the process, and they had praise before victory. We've talked about this before. They had praise before a wall fell. They had praise. I mean, they were blowing trumpets. I love the way Bill Johnson says it. He says it this way. He says, we have joy because we rejoice, not the other way around. See, in the kingdom, everything's kind of flipped. We think, you know, um, so now I'm happy so I can rejoice. That isn't the way it works in the kingdom. In the kingdom, you put the rejoicing first and then the joy comes. See? You see how that works? Shout for the Lord has given you the city. They didn't have the city, but they were shouting. Now, we talk about praise, we talk about worship, and we, we kind of divide those things up, and, and they are different. They're, they're kind of in the, we kind of do them in the same setting. And you, listen, you can worship and reflect on the Lord and cry, you know, I, I was, last night I was getting wrecked just thinking about God, like Joshua was right there. I was just like, before the Lord, I was like, oh, this is so powerful. Man, you can, you can worship tenderly and reflect on the goodness of God and all that He's done. That's awesome, but that's different than praise. See, praise has an expression. I'm not talking about reverent worship. I'm talking about extravagant praise. I'm talking about this. Something gets up inside of you and you go, my God is big. My God is powerful. Whenever he doesn't, whenever in your mind at that moment, he might be small. But you say he is good. He is faithful. And you begin to make that declaration. See, some of you will never find breakthrough in your life because you go this. That's not my personality. I'm just, you know, I'm kind of a quiet, timid, shy person, so I don't get loud. Well, then welcome to just having walls staying up in your life. Because you will have to develop a shout before the walls are going to fall down. You're going to have to develop a lifestyle of praising God. I'm not talking about your worship. We're good there. I love your little intimate thing with Jesus. But if, but if you want to break some cities open, if you want to get some breakthrough, if you want to see some things happen, you're going to have to develop a spirit of praise. Instead of heaviness, man, I know people that love the Lord. They just love, I just love you, Jesus. And they got a heaviness about them. They're never happy. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know what it is? They don't have a spirit of praise. They got the spirit of worship. It's awesome. We need that. Primary. I mean, they were solid for six days. But the praise is what brought the walls down. See, some of you will never find breakthrough because you'll go this. That's not my personality. Well, hold up. I thought you died. Yeah, whenever you watch football or you watch the NBA th- stuff, you're like, oh, you get up there. You, uh, uh, you're running around the living room. And then at church, you're like, God is so good. Yeah. I don't really like this song. Preacher going to get up and yell at me. Right? It's not about personality. It's about priority. 
King Jehoshaphat, we see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 2. He led the praisers in front and they won the battle. This is a pattern throughout scripture. Check this out. Psalm 67 verse 5. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes! May the nations praise you. He's like in a moment, right? He's like preaching. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes! May the nations praise you. Then! Then the earth will yield its harvest. Praise precedes breakthrough. Praise precedes victory. Do we praise after? Absolutely. But some of you, that's the only time you ever praise. And you wonder why there's so many walls going up all the time. Something is released when we shout. Something is released whenever we declare the goodness of God. We declare that name, Jesus! Stuff just transforms. Demons flee. Walls crash. Everything can change, but you got to get it up in there, and you got to get it out. See, we should shout ten times in victory before we speak of one obstacle. This is what we do through life. All the walls are just... Oh, gosh, life is so hard. America is so blah. Right? The system so blah. My life is blah. I just wasn't born with a blah. Got the blah, blah. You're good, God. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, the good, your good God should be ten times for every obstacle that comes. You're not, you're not shouting because your situation is good. You're shouting because God is good. And you're shouting because you want Him to invade the situation. Listen to what it says here in Psalms 22.3. It says that He is enthroned in the praise of His people. Now that word praise isn't... You know, on the back of the chair, that's like exuberant worship. Right? You know what I'm talking about? You hit the back of the chair. May even sway a little bit. That's not for praises. Actually, a violent gesture. If you study that out. How biblical has your praise been lately? I know you're biblical and everything else, but what about your praise? How biblical has your praise been lately? Has it been extravagant? Or has it just been comfortable? That's why we call it the sacrifice of praise, right? Because it's not always comfortable. So it says this in Psalms. It says... He enthrones the praise of his people. So it means this. It means that when we praise him, it's like Jesus goes, all right, let me take care of things. Enthroned means the king is enthroned. It means the king has set up dominion. It means the king has set up shop to rule and reign that which is before him. And so when we praise him, when it seems like he isn't ruling, he shows up and he goes, I'm here to take charge, just like he did with Joshua that day with that sword. He's like, I'm here to deal with the situation. Listen, beloved, you will not experience breakthrough and your, your history with God will be so immature and so weak until you learn to praise the Lord. Until you learn to praise Him when it's hard, when it's difficult, when there's no money in the bank, when the report of the doctor is terrible, when everybody around you is disappointing you, when the preacher's corrupt, whatever it is, will you learn to praise Him? Will you learn to praise Him? I've seen you move, Lord. Come on, let's just stand up. Let's praise Him right now in this place today. 